So I tweeted out, the amount of wine I usually pour into a glass is the same amount as movie characters who are bottoming out, and I'm not sure how to feel about that. And this guy just replied to me, wine is the drink of the coward. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Two Woke Nerds Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in again this week. Before we get started, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton of visibility. Share this with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that you know is into nerd news. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a friend who is so mad he does not have any Fox shares, Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you doing, bud? I mean, you dropped some bombs on me. I didn't really hear any of the rumors coming out that they were going, Disney's now going to can Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. We're probably never going to see Gambit. We were never going to see Gambit anyway. But we're probably never going to see Gambit. I'm a little, I'm a little upset about that. X-Men, is that, is that property just cursed? Like, do you immediately own it and then start making bad decisions? Like, what are we going to do? So, based upon the ending and really most of the last X-Men film that should have been good by any rights and was awful. It was so bad. I think it may be a good decision just to move on from this current continuity, maybe bring over none of the actors because they found a way to make Fassbender and McAvoy bad. So how long, uh, how long did Sansa Stark like walk towards apocalypse at the end of that movie? Like it, it took 10 minutes for her to walk 14 feet. It, it felt like 14 years. <laughs> it legitimately felt like 14 years. I was like, oh, she could have walked to Winterfell. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yeah. So as you may have heard, the Fox purchase, the Disney purchasing Fox is now uh, basically official. It's got to go through some governmental channels and, and those things will be ironed out. So... The Fantastic Four and the X-Men and those related properties are coming home, paving the way for the one thing that I'm probably the most excited about out of this, Victor Von Doom. We'll, hopefully we'll get some Doctor Doom in the place. But we've got some big news for you this week. We had a, uh, we, we had a trailer drop for Venom uh, today as at the time of recording uh, to mixed reactions by most people and to one really reaction by the people that are hosting the show. Uh, we got official cast announcements for Star Wars with some kind of big news there. Got a new trailer for Iron Fist, which is going to just beautifully dovetail into today's subject. We're going to dive in and talk about Luke cage so let's just start with this uh this venom trailer right let's start with the venom trailer uh there's a lot to talk about there we got some more story details we found out who the villain's gonna be we got uh some more of the symbiote or symbiote because they have had multiple pronunciations in both uh both trailers so whatever they're gonna call him uh i ray i hated this i that is I don't know what opinion. to think about this. Hate is the correct opinion. Like, I don't know. There's so much wrong with this. So it seems ridiculous to start superficial. But I'm going to start superficial. I'm not sure I can get over his accent. Like, we talked he, about it. He sounds like a some, like a five, six-year-old that can't quite hit yeah. their R's. It's really bad. 
It, yeah. It's like, it's a train wreck. It, it was a twain wreck. <laughs> I was trying to get something with two R's in it. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about how bad <laughs> the uh, the trailer is. All right, so. But beyond the accent, right? Like, this, they couldn't even make a trailer. What was it, two minutes long or whatever? They yeah. couldn't make a two-minute trailer that was that that was homogeneous. Like they couldn't even do that. Like they they have like the first part of the trailer is this like is this like corporate intrigue and this like dive into corporate greed. And the second part of the trailer is like a buddy co- buddy cop drop like a uh, comedy. Like it's absurd. Venom randomly starts threatening to eat people like it's he says he says your pancreas is a tasty snack like what it goes like it goes from like deeply serious to absurd in roughly 45 seconds which if you wanted to make either one of those movies fine i could i could be interested in you know the perils of corporate um corporate greed and corporate um in corporate arrogance, I could be interested in that. I could also be interested in just, hey, this is absurd and ridiculous, and we're just going to do absurd and ridiculous. But, I mean, the fact that you can't even, in a trailer, pick one of those, that's that's not a great side. It's so uncreative, I think, is my biggest thing. Like, the villain is the opposite of the, the air quotes, hero. Uh, I'm, granted, Venom is not a strict hero in the sense of things, but... Like it's just it's just woefully unoriginal while being ridiculously uneven. Like I don't know what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, what audience they're appealing to, because it doesn't feel like mass audiences, but it also doesn't feel like comic book audiences. So who is this movie for? Is the real question. Like I I don't I don't know. Right? It's for the accountants I, to try to write off at the end of the year. That's what it's going to be for. Now, that'll be nice. You know, I texted you that I just need Sony to go ahead and sell these properties back fully, too. Like, just, just be done with it. Just be done with it. Let us move on. It's, it's bad. But we'll, we'll, we'll soldier forward and know that we will be there opening weekend for sure. And that's – what are you going to do? Because like you're driving by a twain wreck, <laughs> you can't stop looking. You just can't. Now, so uh, we got some some news that I Ray and I are actually both excited about because uh, we are not angry nerds in the dark corner of the internet. Uh, we got some casting news for Star Wars Episode you Nine. You can't get out of the exit. I can't. You I'm said Star troubles. Wars. <laughs> Star Star Wars. <laughs> I blame Venom, Tom Hardy. You have a symbiote symbiote inside of you. Symbiote symbiote symbiote. <laughs> Symbiote. Symbiote, yeah. That's- how, how does a script supervisor not say, we've got to decide on a pronunciation, guys? Where's the script supervisor when you need it? Oh, man. That's, a, that's such, it's going to be such a bad movie. Oh, it's going to be so it, bad. But you know what? It might be so bad that we actually enjoy it. It might go that it, range. It, here's hoping. Most of those movies do not have a $100 million budget, though. Let's be honest here. I feel like it's gonna be so. Just can you just... imagine Thanks Killing with a hundred thousand, hundred billion dollar budget? It'd be the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> or it would lose all of that rubber puppet <laughs> glory that we once had. Now, so let's get back to the news. We got casting for Star Wars Episode Nine. They start filming probably right about nowish, since it's a day ahead in in the UK. Uh, they're filming right about nowish. Uh, so J.J. Abrams is back. We knew that. Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver. They're all back. John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lupita Nyong'o. You know, all the people. Kelly Marie Tran, Suck It Nerds, is back. Uh, Billy Lord, back. Now, these are the these are the big ones. So, 
Uh, Richard E. Grant, kind of a, a more classically trained actor, is in. Uh, Carrie Russell, who we had some rumors about, is officially confirmed. And here's where it gets fun. They will be joined by veteran Star Wars actors Mark Hamill, just throwing haymakers off there the top, Anthony Daniels, and Billy D. Williams, who will reprise his role as Lando Calrissian. The role of Leia Organa will once again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously unreleased footage from Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, we knew roughly about Billy D. We knew roughly about Carrie Russell. The big news for me is Mark Hamill confirmed. Yeah. And Leia being played not CGI, not off-screen death. So I feel like I think I owe you dinner on that. Um, no, I think we were both on off-screen death. In fact, I might have okay. been driving the bus. I, we, I've said since the beginning that I, I think it should open. If they didn't do this, because I didn't think they were going to do this, it would open on her funeral. Yeah, like I like the, that. I like crawl. that idea a lot, too. Yeah. But so let's, let's, let's divide this up in two. So we'll start with Carrie Fisher. So they're going to use some previously unreleased footage from The Force Awakens. They're not going to CG it. They have Billy Lord, her daughter's blessing, on it. Um, and they say be, a lot of it is because... You know, having an on-screen, off-screen death really wouldn't fit Leia and, and really um, adequately portray what, um, you know, do do justice to, to Leia and Carrie Fisher. Um, so, Ray, how do you feel about them using some, some from the cutting room floor stuff that uh, that is from The Force Awakens? Now, I'm going to give you a caveat. There was a pretty big plot point in The Force Awakens that was cut for the final cut of Leia appealing to the Senate to come aid their their fight against the First Order. So a lot of rumors are that's what they're going to take to use for Leia. Yeah, I, the fact that they've made this decision gives me hope that that this isn't going to be us weirdly cutting together, you know, it's not going to be like one of those YouTube videos where they cut together, where they cut together things to make it look like people said things. Like, it's not going to be like that. That it's actually going to be something that's relevant. And so that makes sense. I did, I, I did not actually know that. So that makes perfect sense. And as long as it's that, I'm perfectly happy with it. I wasn't in on the CG. Um, I, Governor Tarkin, I was out 100%. It was weird. It was squarely in the Uncanny Valley, and I was, uh, and I was not with that at all. But So I was, I was against the CG. I did kind of like the off-screen death and the funeral, I, although I understand why they don't want to do that because, I mean, she's such an – I know that it's Luke's story, but she's like – the heart of this of this entire thing like we love leia like absolutely love leia we absolutely adored carrie fisher so like to say to to have her die off screen would be would be maybe a a bit of a disservice to the character so i understand so if this is their best option then yeah let's go for it they said from the jump that you know seven was going to be Han's movie, eight was supposed to be Luke's movie, and nine was supposed to be Leia's movie. So the fact that one they're able to salvage this is is great. Um, but I think, especially if it plays in well with the plot that they have in mind, because I mean, you assume that part of the plot of this film is going to be them petitioning the other systems to finally join up and do something about the First Order. So I think the footage, if that's what they're going to use, really does play one to one. Like it's yeah. it's pretty it's a pretty easy shoehorn. Um, it's it's going to be I'm going to have trouble kind of knowing that it's old footage maybe I don't know I just that's going to be in the back of my mind I think now granted if they do it well I'm more than likely going to weep in the theater openly which <laughs> is 
not new. I cried in in the Last Jedi. Yeah, both times I saw it. So like it's it is what it is. But uh, I think the other thing that we got confirmation of is that Mark Hamill will be back pres- uh, as a Force ghost. Assuming yeah. I mean he's he's dead. He dead. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing there. So. Uh, what does that do for you? Is that do you feel like that's reactionary to not having Carrie, or was that the plan all along? Well, I mean, they always come back. Like that's a basic tenet of Jedi deaths is that is that they always come back in some form. So I don't. Uh, yeah, that that seems like that was always going to be part of the plan. Perhaps, perhaps he plays a bigger role than he otherwise would have. Maybe Leia was going to be the hand that guided. Um, that guided Ray, and now he has to be the hand that guides Ray. Something, something to that effect. But I think that, yeah, it was always he always had to be in this movie. I thought. I mean, there was a line in the Last Jedi where he basically said, "Like Kylo, I'm going to come back and annoy you." Yeah. So I would love. I think Mark Hamill would have so much fun if his entire plot line in this film is just nagging Kylo, like being the <laughs> that would nagging. Be amazing. Like, yeah. And not like, and I'm being serious. Like, if he is there, like, if he's just kind of bugging Kylo the entire time about Brendan Fraser after spoiler alert, he dies in Scrubs when he's just walking around with Doctor Cox. Exactly. That exact thing would be amazing. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. I think now that's not going to be the case. I feel like they're going to take this way more seriously than that. But I would absolutely love to see Luke just bugging the crap out of Kylo. I would absolutely love to see that. So we got a Iron Fist trailer uh, to go along with um, some Iron Fist news from two weeks ago that we're going to talk about this week because Luke Cage. So we got a minute-long trailer of Iron Fist. Not a ton in there. It seems like, for me, the biggest thing is that they're going to dive a bit more deeper into what happened in Kunlun, and they're going to give you a bit more of that backstory. Uh, we got some confirmation that Davos will be back, at least in that flashback scene. Uh, you don't have Davos in that series. And he says, you know, that's a part of my ca- a past that was dead, at least I hope. Uh, so that would be interesting. Uh, some news from the Comic-Con panel. Alice Eve is confirmed to be playing villain Typhoid Mary, who is going to square off with the Daughters of the Dragon, a.k.a. Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Uh, so, Ray, does... Any of this do anything for you uh, as we move forward? And we're basically a month out from Iron Fist dropping. Uh, well, I just finished Luke Cage, and uh, I'm not that interested in diving back into Marvel, uh, <laughs> a Marvel Netflix. So perhaps that plays a role into it, but not really. I don't. I'm just don't. I don't care about these characters. I had no reason to care after what we saw in the first season. There are rumors, at least what we hear from what the footage that was released at Comic-Con, is that the fighting is better, so perhaps that's going to be enough to to pull you through. But we're going to talk a lot about this in Luke Cage, but until Marvel figures out what they're doing, until Netflix Marvel figures out what they're doing, uh, then, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get excited about anything. I think the biggest piece of news that I haven't mentioned yet that makes me at least a bit more hopeful is that they dropped three three episodes from the yeah. season. Which they should have done with literally every every series they've ever done, except Daredevil season one. No, that also could have you lost so? three episodes. All of them could have lost. Three okay. Episodes. Anyway, so this one's down to ten from thirteen, which makes me feel like they're learning at least a little bit. Uh, you don't need some of those filler episodes, those patter episodes. It's a streaming series. You don't need bottle episodes. Just film less episodes. Like you don't need 
those filler episodes like you see on a sitcom where you have to hit 22 episodes. So we're just going to have a conversation around the dinner table for 22 minutes. Don't have to do that. Just cut them. And it doesn't even have to be like an even number. It could be nine or it could be or it could be seven or it could, like it doesn't matter when the story's over. Stop making episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really that simple. Unless you're contractually obligated to yes. do it. Don't do it. But again, Iron, Danny Rand Iron Fist is probably one of my favorite characters. So I'm going to watch it. Uh, we may do an episode about it if Ray has enough wine between then and now uh, to get back <laughs> into it. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that when the time comes. But the time has come for us to talk Luke Cage. So it came out probably three weeks ago or so, maybe four. Uh, if you haven't been able to finish it yet, we are going to spoil it. So this is your spoiler warning. Here be spoilers. I'll put in the uh, show notes the time code for Don't Sleep if you want to skip over this and you can listen to Don't Sleep. But we are going to spoil Luke Cage in three, two, one. So it was not very good. It was a Marvel Netflix. <laughs> it is what Marvel and I haven't. I still have yet to watch Punisher, and I know that that's bad, and I know that I should because apparently it's very good. And so I'm not talking about I'm not talking about that series, but the, it was exactly what we've come to expect from Marvel Netflix, which in in some ways was actually comforting. Like sometimes it's nice whenever things do exactly what you expect them to do, and even uh, if it's and awful. that's even if it's bad, and that's what we have here. We have a, a show that. That didn't know what its story was, um, jumped back and forth between what its story was and what stories it was telling, uh, focused on weird things for, for weird reasons, and had some moments of absolute brilliance. As you thought, if this was what the show was, if this is what the show was about, then I would, I would be 100% in. But then they go straight back into just absurdity. So, like, that's it's kind of what I've come to expect from Marvel. And I've I wasn't I wasn't particularly surprised by it. I did not like it. It was a slog for me to even finish it, but it was kind of what I expected. Yeah, it it was it was slow at times when I think it should have been quicker. It was fast when I think it needed to be slower. There were a lot of things that just did not quite hit the mark. And some of the best stuff I think they didn't spend enough time on. Like you know, the, the backstory stuff, the, the stuff that, you know, the Jamaica stuff, the, uh, you know, like the whole Bushmaster backstory, I think was great. Uh, you know, Mariah and her daughter had some really good stuff. I wish Mariah's daughter's songs had both been about a minute shorter than they were. Uh, I, I'm not even like, I fast forward through both of the songs. I fast forwarded through the second one when I realized that I still had a minute left and I'd already been through about 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, yeah, so, but... It was just so uneven, I think is the best way to describe it. It was just very uneven, and the good parts were not good enough to make me forget about how bad the bad parts were. Like, for every, like, for every Shades and Comanche in the barbershop, there was Mariah trying to make awkward hip-hop references. So, Mariah is the perfect example for what you're talking about. Because there was the... By the way, this entire show is full of awkward hip-hop references. Like, Luke makes, like, seven of them, and, like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, like slang being thrown around uncomfortably. Most of it like, by Mariah and Luke. Most, almost all of it by Mariah and Luke. I, fair enough. But, like, there's that, there's that side of Mariah, especially early in, the, early in the season, 
of her like saying and 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 well I'll talk about there's a there's a there's a retort to this and I'll mention it here in a second but early in the season her trying to do like this gangster stuff and say and say these like references and stuff like that it just was cringeworthy like yeah. it just was you just like it sounded like your grandmother trying to say something like it was just terrible right i thought that her kind of gangster bit at the end was a little bit better um and so that was good but the best parts of mariah cuz mariah wasn't the problem in this season the best parts of mariah came at the end whenever we're learning about Mariah, about who she actually is. That scene she has with her daughter when they're in that Rand factory mm-hmm. is one of the best scenes. It's the best scene of the series, in my opinion. It's one of the best scenes we've seen in, in kind of this Marvel Netflix run. It is an astounding scene done by an amazing actress. And you wonder, why wasn't this the show? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, why isn't this what we're focusing on? We could have focused on Bushmaster, his backstory, because I thought he was really good. Yeah. I thought that he did a great job. We could focus on his backstory. We could focus... In fact, we could leave Luke Cage out of this, and this is probably a much more interesting series. Like, like that's the fact, because we don't have to hear the word Harlem every three words. And I'm going to tell you something, Netflix. I don't care about Harlem at all. Like, I don't care about it at all. And, like, your target audience does I, – I, I can't imagine that they're nationalistic fools that would care that deeply about a place. Like, I don't care at all about any of it. Like, har, like why, why is that such an important point? Maybe I'm missing it because I have none of that. I have none of this, like, loyalty to home and loyal to the soil. I have none of that whatsoever. So perhaps I'm just being missed. But, like – that was ridiculous. So I take that out of it. Give me just Mariah. Give me that, like her family's backstory. Give me the Bushmaster. Give me that stuff. I'm in. The other stuff, I mean, I, I, it's it's just not great and not interesting. And it's juvenile, really. It's just not great. When I think when Bushmaster was having his quiet moments, I think that's the, I think that's the show. the The issue with the show and a lot of the Marvel Netflix shows in general is that the the quiet moments are the best moments, but that's not what, that's not how you make at least this TV show. At least they think that's not how you make these TV shows. Uh, I think that may be the issue, like where some of the best stuff in Jessica Jones, where the, the quiet moments of Jessica dealing with her own stuff or the end when that, the best episode of Jessica Jones season two, she is by herself with, with um... spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, she's by herself with um. I just lost his name. The Purple Man. Yeah, with the Purple Man. She's by herself. Why can't I remember? Kilgrave. There you go. She's by herself with Kilgrave. That's the best episode of that season, and, and it's because she's working through some of that stuff. It's by far, and 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 the that especially the Mariah story arc of what we're talking about, just being very cringy in the beginning and then getting better at the end. Maybe that's her. She's cringy at the beginning because she's. She's doing something that she doesn't think is her being this gangster person. And then and then she has her moments and she finally realizes that she accepts who she is. And then at the end, she's better because of that. That's why she's accepting herself. But that's giving way too much credit. That is giving more of a benefit of the doubt than Marvel Netflix has learned has earned. That's really what that's giving you. And I, I just think it was uneven more than intended. It might have worked out, but I think it was I – don't, I don't really think that was the intention. Yeah, and – the only thing that makes me, because you and I again had this conversation offline. I think the thing that makes me feel that way is just because it was so, it was so much like that, where 
in the beginning, like Luke dabbing, like that was just so, and it was, Oh, that you just reminded me about, I blocked the ESPN thing out of my brain. (laughs) So, Oh my Lord. So I will say Mike Coulter did go on Twitter uh, on Instagram because it kind of blew up where people were giving him a lot of grief. And he did say it was like intentionally cringy. So that's where I, I'm like, because the stuff with shades and Mariah was just so gross. Like their their romantic relationship was disgusting. Like them just being all over each other and the like. I don't know if anybody actually kisses like that. If you do, tweet at us and I'll I will say. It, but I don't think real people actually kiss like that. Uh, and so I think that may be the theme of this season is that it's a lot of people trying to be a lot of things that they're not. And then finally, when they decide to be the thing that they should be, things start to go well. Because when Luke decides that he is going to be the one that has his thumb on Harlem, you see, you kind of see him walk differently. And I'm like, okay, I kind of buy that. Even though I absolutely hated that they did the Godfather ending. Like, that was super dumb. Uh, or the fact that, that Claire shows up and he says, like, he doesn't even talk to her. Yeah. Like, that's he's become that in a week. Yeah. Like that's where we're we're supposed to believe that he's become this guy in a week. I t- so I think because again when when the best scenes were Shades and Comanche and come to find out they're lovers or at least yeah. they were lovers and have a lot of love for each other. I think Mariah's best scenes were when she finally decided to just be her and do what she needed to do. So I think if that if that's the theme of the season. And this was intentionally awkward and cringy. They could have done a better job of telling us that because when push comes to shove, it just felt bad throughout. Yeah. Now there's, yeah, I agree with that. There's one thing I do want to talk about is episode 10. So episode 10 is the heroes for hire episode. Episode 10 is Danny and Luke, which in my opinion, outside of the Bushmaster backstory stuff, maybe the best episode of the season from, I think from start to finish, that is probably one of the more consistent episodes. Uh, Danny definitely shows you what that character can be when he's written okay and given something better to do. I think the fight choreography was better. Uh, I think it needed more. I, if I have a Heroes for Hire episode, I want it to just be action from from wall to wall. Uh, but the the uh, the fight scene set to a remix of a Wu-Tang song I thought was really yeah. cool. So yeah. what did you think about the concept of, okay, so Luke Cage on his own sucks. We'll find out in a month that probably Iron Fist on his own still sucks. Do they, can they do a show together and pull it off? Because I think in my mind from looking at it, the stuff that I hate about the Luke Cage show I think Iron Fist brings to it where uh, it at least the new direction that they have with Danny seems less self-serious, seems less broody. Uh, it seems more, I don't know, just more. I don't, it just seems different. And the stuff yeah. that I hate about the, the first season of Iron Fist, Luke Cage openly makes fun of on several occasions in that episode. So yeah. would they work together as a series? I mean, maybe, but they've kind of written themselves into a corner. How do you have, how do you have Luke as like the King of Harlem and then also running a heroes for hire? Like, like you, how do you do that? So I, I don't think it works like narratively with where they are and where they're going. In fact, I think we might have 
they might be setting us up. The reason Danny was in this season was to set us up for a reckoning of some kind in the future, uh, where you know someone's where you know Luke's gotten too big for his britches, um, which seems like that actually could happen for for Luke. Um, that it becomes you know it becomes like a someone has to step in. So Misty said she would do it, but we'll see. It's funny that Misty didn't learn from from Danny Rand's Iron Fist, and she just spent the whole season brooding. Exactly what we got mad about with Danny Rand. It's interesting that she didn't pull that one off. Yeah, it. I'm. I. I want to see where this goes. A lot of people watched it. They're going to continue to make these things, as long as they have the contract. I think they're going to keep making them. I just. It feels like it's weird own pocket universe that's not very good. Again, Iron Fist comes out in like seven weeks, six weeks. So I'll probably watch it. If Ray does, we'll do an episode on it. If he doesn't, then I'll just do my don't sleep on it, and we'll talk about it then. But that brings us to that exact segment of the show. Your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment, don't sleep on it. So, Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? I don't think it's sleeping because it's a Denzel movie, but The Equalizer 2 was everything that I expected it to be. It was amazing. The action, it was action Denzel at his finest. It was awesome. And um, kind of more importantly than that, like there are a couple moments in this movie that like he goes like Oscar Denzel. Because you know how there are different Denzels, right? Yeah. There's one scene in particular uh, where he goes Oscar Denzel, and it's amazing. And you go, I was not expecting that out of this movie. And it was it was great, just tour de force by him. If it was any other actor, this it wouldn't work. But it's it's Denzel, and so it's 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 absolutely fantastic. I did have to tell you, I saw I saw Mission Impossible, and and so Ving Rhames and it says my man, <laughs> my man, <laughs> man. My man. That's gonna be. It's gonna be in every movie from now on. Is we're just gonna find my man. It's. It is. Hundred percent where I'm going with my life. My man. I need a shirt with my man on it. Yeah, you need to get it. Vic Rame saying it too would be awesome. I need anybody saying it. Really, if he. Oh. Oh, I need a shirt with Ving Rames and Jason Momoa on either side with yeah. one speech bubble coming together saying my yeah. man. Yeah. Get on, get on, what's that? Redbubble? Sensi? Uh, Etsy? Etsy, yeah, Etsy. <laughs> get on Etsy. Get sort of commission that shirt. If you're, a de- if you're a designer and you listen to this show, I would pay a decent amount of money for that design, <laughs> and I'll get it on a t-shirt. My man. My man. Golly. Okay, so my don't sleep on it uh, is, again, probably another not sleeper, but uh, I, my wife and I, uh, my wife's not into scary movies or super overly tense movies. Uh, you know, life is, for her, life is anxious enough. You know, we've got a kid and we've got jobs and cars and houses and, you know, there's just enough of that in life already. So she's not big on tense and scary, but Castle Rock kind of caught her eye. And for me, I'm like a closet Stephen King fan. Like, I love Stephen King, and I love, like, the Stephen King universe, kind of. Uh, and so we, we we checked out Castle Rock. They're doing the thing that I hate with streaming sh- services, where they have a they have a they an episodic show, and they're releasing ep- one episode every week. Like, they're doing a streaming show, completely streaming show, week to week, which 
why am I paying you $12 a month, Hulu, for the commercial free plan? If, oh, Handmaid's Tale. It killed me yeah. that they did it week to week. Killed me. So I guess that's Hulu's thing because they're, I guess they're, they're still doing old TV style, but whatever. So we're, we're caught up or three episodes in and it's, it's pretty good. They've, it's got the classic JJ Abrams mystery for the sake of mystery at this point. Uh, but I think it's going to pay off. There's a really, really, uh, really disturbing couple of scenes in this most recent episode and some stuff that was legitimately scary. So if you're into that sort of thing, it also, if you're a fan of like Stephen King books and movies and that whole universe, there's some really rewarding stuff in there, character names and newspaper clippings and things like that, that all seem to refer back to other pieces. Uh, you know, they're in Castle Rock and they, yeah, somebody's telling a story and they said, you know, it was, this, it was the summer after they found that dead body next to the railroad tracks, like just little things like that where if you know Stephen King's universe, then you'll get some things on a deeper level, but you don't have to know it to, to get it and enjoy it because my wife doesn't, and she was like, hey, let's watch another episode tonight because uh, the new one's out. So, again, my don't sleep, Castle Rock. That's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ray, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, at RM Summerlin. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at two woke nerds feel free to shoot us an email two woke nerds pod at gmail.com if you sent us an email recently and we didn't read it on air it's because my phone for some reason doesn't send me alerts for that email account and i just never check it unless an alert comes up so uh, i apologize about that if you email us we will read it on the air moving forward thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend until next time stay woke stay woke